In every single episode of the Work Positive Podcast, I ask my guests a single concluding question. What's one thing Work Positive Nation could do today to create a positive work culture? We even copy that segment and post it as a short on YouTube and a reel on Facebook and Instagram. So my guest today is the master of the one thing. He's highly regarded as a thought leader in real estate and leadership with over 40 years of experience. He's passionate about supporting, guiding, and encouraging others to achieve extraordinary results. So Work Positive Nation, lean in, listen up, and learn how to do your one thing on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome my new best friend and soon to be yours, Scott Agnew. Scott, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast, my friend. Thank you, Joey. It's a pleasure to be here um, and looking forward to our discussion today. Oh, me too. Me too. Because you've written a book called The Long-Term Leader. Yes. I probably should have renamed it every every mistake I ever made in leadership and what I learned from it. But that's too long. <laughs> the title's too long. So yeah, that's right. That would make a great subtitle, though. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, all my mistakes rolled up into one big uh, happy book here. Well, that's wonderful because as we were talking before we started recording, you and I both love to stand on the shoulders of giants. That is people who've already made all the mistakes so uh, work or, or most of them that we can make. It just makes for better hockey stick growth, right? So Work Positive Nation, that's what you're about to do. You're about to stand on the shoulders of this amazing man, Scott Agnew. You can learn from his mistakes, but also you've done a few things right. Yeah, you know, it happens over time and you change when the pain gets great enough and then you start listening to things differently. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, you know, your, your antenna get, gets a little bit more uh, precise and you, and you're listening for the, you know, the, the glue in between uh, mm-hmm. the message. And so over time, yeah, over time you, you, you hear it with different ears. And so that's how, I think that's how for, for me anyway, that's how I learn. You know, yeah. I wish I didn't learn in such a painful way sometimes, but, <laughs> but now yeah. it's so much easier, right. To just, to see somebody that's succeeding and mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and kind of modeling what they're doing and not overcomplicating it or overthinking it. Absolutely. You know? And that's back to standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love what you're talking about there, Scott. You made some strategic choices along the way though. You didn't just, because wake up one day and decide to do this because some of us, and there've been times in my life when I was like this, we don't make the choice to listen or to learn. We just keep doing what we're doing because it's familiar, even though we're miserable doing it. So we have that same one or five years of experience over and over and over. Right. What was it that propelled you to say, Hey, I can learn from this and do better. Well, you know, I think, You know, as a kid, I grew up and I had to really work hard to survive. I had a very rough, you know, childhood, as so many entrepreneurs do. Hmm. And I don't need to go into that story at all at this time. But, 
you know, I achieved a lot of things just by working hard. And mm. when you talk about business, um, business is a sometimes a counterintuitive game. And I was used to just doing, doing, doing and working very hard. And, you know, the title of my book is long-term leader, not long-term doer. <laughs> and so I struggled between doing the job myself and bringing somebody in and holding them capable to mm -hmm. doing the job so that I could have a bigger life and I could go on, you know, to have a bigger vision for what I wanted to accomplish. So that that's where the learning took place is I wanted my time. I wanted freedom. Mm -hmm. I wanted the ability to make choices without, you know, huge uh, pressure. Mm -hmm. And I knew the only way to do that would to be, was to get not just, you know, not just leverage with systems, but leverage with people. Mm -hmm. and, and every great system I've ever, you know, been able to implement in my business, it's always been because of the right person was there to do that. Because at the end of the day, it's the people who are doing the work and yeah. it's all about the people. So, Scott, how do you attract those people, particularly that top talent, to join your team? Well, that's a big question. Um, and there's there's a difference between, you know, recruiting or selling somebody into a role yes. and attracting them into the role. And mm -hmm. I found that when I moved in the early days, I would sell them into the role. I would mm -hmm. tell them how great everything was going to be and all the money they could make and how much, you know, impact they would have. And I just boom, 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 and give them all the, you know, just the 19 benefits of this role, <laughs> you know, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And I learned that what happened was a lot of times I'd end up, my ego would take over and I'd end up fitting a square peg in a round hole because I made up my mind because I read some assessment tool like a disc or a, you know, Myers-Briggs or an AVA or, you know, there's so many. And I would make up my mind about people almost sometimes before I even met them. Wow. And what a huge mistake, right? What a huge mistake and what a missed opportunity because I wasn't paying attention to the right information when I was. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I got, I actually got lucky with one of my first hires. I got lucky and that enabled me to have credibility because people thought I did it on purpose and I was really <laughs> smart and I knew what I was doing. And actually I just got lucky. Uh -huh. And I, when I, when, and so I, I kind of parlayed that into, you know, look at this person, look at how long she's been with me, look how successful she is. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, it, it was like uh, pin the tail on the donkey. Uh, mm. Yeah. And so now, now it's, now it's more purposeful. There's more of a process. There's more of a system that I have, you know, uh, copied from others that do well in this and implement it. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a cherry on top that I'll talk about. Uh, you know, as we get into this discussion, there's okay. a real cherry on top that I want to really make a point. If I can, I'll try to do my best. But. Sure. Of course you will. Well, sometimes you're lucky, Scott. Sometimes you're good. And sometimes you're good and lucky, right? So, yeah. so you got lucky that time, but you obviously reflected on what brought that luck yeah. and what you did to be lucky. What did you discover? Because you're exactly right. We're not selling people into a position we're attracting top talent. Yeah. What'd you learn from that lucky experience that you then parlayed into more luck? Well, here was, here's what was interesting. So once that great person got in my world, I, I had to lead her, right? I, now I had to keep her. I had to, you know, fill her, help, help, you know, with her needs. Right. Mm. 
So again, that was just, that was just quite kind of a learning process. And I got some help. I got, I got some great coaching and uh, the coach there's, I had two great coaches in my life early on. I had a, you know, high school basketball coach and all that, but the, but later on in my business life, I had two great coaches and one was a life coach and the other was a communications coach. Mm. And I needed a lot of help. <laughs> I was, I was, I was a piece of, uh, you know, Play-Doh, right. I, mm. but I had great intentions and I think that that's what a lot of people struggle with. They have these great intentions and they want to help and they want to support, but they don't always know how they mm. don't know how to approach it. They don't know how to have the right mindset. And one of the, one of the, you know, to answer part of your question, mm. um, you learn it when you start seeing collaboration with the people that you're leading. Mm. In other words, instead of you just telling, telling, telling and pontificating and giving them directions and plans and strategies, mm. now you're having a two-way discussion, a two-way conversation. Mm. They're coming to me, Scott, I was thinking about this. What wow. do you think? Yeah, that's Guess cool. what? That gives you the basis for a great dialogue that can oftentimes lead to really smart solutions because now you've got two, three, four people thinking about it. So just, you know, one person making the decision. Mm. Well, and, and for most of us, Scott, that takes a massive subjecting of our ego, right? Uh, or as I like to say, a transformation from me to we. And that's, that's rocky. Uh, it, it requires some places in, in my journey, you know, it took some yeah. dynamite just to blow those rocks out. Right. Other yeah. times I could do it with a fork. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, how did you make that transition from me to we, to lead to using collaboration to keep people on your teams? Well, I always had the mindset of we, I've always had that mindset. Cause as a mm. kid, I, I needed a lot of help. I didn't have any resources. So I was really you know, great at, you know, having another kid help me with my paper route, or I was ha great at having another kid support me while I had to go do another, uh, you know, cut grass and, Hey, can you go, can you go collect money from these people for the paper? And I was really always a we kind of guy. The problem was I didn't know how to be a we kind of guy very well. My intention was there, but if somebody didn't do it the way I wanted them to do it, I'd just take the job back from them and say, let get out the way I, I'm going to do it. And then I would end up, you know, not getting the help and support and leverage that I had. So I decided I've got to get better at picking the right people mm. around me. And I've got to get much better at managing or leading those people um, in a way where they are happy, excited, not threatened, not, you know, there's no anxiety. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're just happy to be, you know, doing the tasks and doing the, you know, moving forward. And um, the two great coaches in my life, one the first one you said, how do you attract talent? I think the way you attract talent is you're truthful with them. I think you you just lay it out there and you you open your belly up to them and say, listen, this is where I'm falling short. I, I don't, I'm not sure you can help or not. This is what's going on. And if you believe you can help, then we'll have a we'll have a serious dialogue and we'll see if we can come to a conclusion. And every time I've hired a, a manager or a CEO for one of my businesses, that's kind of how I've done it. I've I've exposed my underbelly and said, this is the problem. And I've oftentimes owned the problem because I'll say, you know, the guy before you or the gal before you, I, 
I didn't manage them well, or I didn't lead them very well because I didn't pick the right person. So I think you start with real talent by just being kind of really honest and truthful about what's going on so that they don't feel like you're, you know, what, what's the dust bunny under the carpet, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of the challenges. And, and so I think that's, and then, and then the next thing, of course, is this is what I would really like it to look like. This is, mm-hmm. this is what I'd love for the outcome to be and mm-hmm. very specific, you know, in real estate, you know, we'd love to have 350 productive agents in this office who all participate, you know, in the activities and are willing to help and train and mentor each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we want you know agents that also reach out into the community and make a great name and reputation for you know our company, our brand in the community, mm-hmm. and we want a culture where we feel like you know people are all everybody's winning. That's that's really where we want to get to. Can you help me with that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we need your help to get there. And I really need some help in that area. Yeah. So. Uh, oh man, that's awesome. Well, again, the, the the ego has to take a back seat right there because you're being very vulnerable when you say things like, Hey, I blew it with the last person in this role. I think, I think it helps people. You see, there's, you can either educate and inform people or you can have an impact with people. Mm. And I think when you open your underbelly and kind of show them what's, what's going on, I think that's when you have the real impact. We call it connection. Okay. Everybody calls, you know, connect, connect, connect. But connection is one thing. Impactful connection is another. So, you know, get off your high horse, get over yourself a little bit. You know, this is where top, this is where top producing people in business oftentimes shoot themselves in the foot, Hmm. not because they don't mean well, They, they definitely mean well, but they have this idealistic view that they have to be the smartest guy in the room. They have to have all the answers. They have Mm -hmm. to be, you know, the one that everybody looks to when there's a problem, et cetera. And that's one way to do it. And you can, you know, have a nice life doing it that way. I mean, that's, that's cool, but essentially you're really not leading. You're just being kind of a side-by-side on the court coach with people. Mm. And Really, I think one of the goals of, you know, when you're leading well, uh, I think one of the goals is to give yourself leverage and also to empower others to take control of their own destiny Mm -hmm. and then just support that process all along the way. And I think the way you have impact doing that is letting them know that where you fall short, how you've missed it or how you could have done better or, you know, those kind of things. Um, I think it's very important, you know, that people see you as a real human being and not some facade. Right. And when you're vulnerable, you're displaying your humanity, the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who's fooling who? Yeah. We're, well, just people. we're just people trying to do the best we can. We're we're just trying to figure it out day by day. Right, Scott? <laughs> really, and, and so if we're working together, you're going to figure out where I'm weak because <laughs> it's going to show up. So why not just go ahead and fess up and say, hey, I could use some help here, which yeah. models for your team behavior that you want them displaying to create that positive work culture, because then they can come to you and say, Hey, not only have I been thinking about this the way you were talking about earlier with collaboration, but Hey, I need some help with this. And it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of an indirect way to model what you want them to do in their role or what you Mm -hmm. would really love for them to do. You know, 
if people are in an environment where they're not, where they don't feel safe. And I talk about this in my book, I use a, there's a little formula called the three P's of communication. And I can get into that in a minute. But at the end of the day, the, the goal is for people to have a safe feeling that they can be themselves and they can fail. They mm. can learn, they can succeed, mm. whatever it is, they're going to be acknowledged. You know, I, if I'm going to acknowledge you for your successes, it's okay for me to acknowledge that, hey, this fell short. It's okay. And if it fell short, what, you know, what are we going to change? What are we going to do about it? Who do you need to help you? What system do you need? All that, again, is only useful if you have the right person to start with. Yeah, if you've attracted so, the, the yeah. right talent and yeah. then you've retained them to the team and found out what it is that they need to be retained. Yeah, yeah. There, there's... There's an it factor that I've discovered with people, with mm-hmm. leaders especially. And the it factor is very difficult sometimes for people to get their their you know their their brain around because it's so obvious and yet very often, most often overlooked. Um, you see companies hire executive leaders all the time. They're great on paper. They have a, you know, they worked with this company or that company. Uh-huh. And they come in and they start doing whatever they do. And oftentimes there's a disconnect because they had a leader before that they liked or the way they came in. And now there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that disconnect happens because the, the people we pick, we look at what they've done or what they do. And we don't tend to pay attention to how they do it. Mm-hmm. Now, Joey, I just, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other. And you have such a warm approach. You have such an easy manner. I feel totally like I could tell you anything. I tell. I feel like you could, you know, if I had a real problem, I could probably call you up and talk to you. That's how I felt about you in the first if 10 you seconds. If you problem, you can call me and talk to me too. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a real problem. <laughs> but wouldn't you want your leaders to be that approachable yes. by their people? So that real stuff gets solved, real mm. questions get answered, real issues get, uh, you know, get strategized that can be taken care of mm. instead of the, you know, the I've been, how many hundreds and hundreds of sales meetings and corporate meetings have you been into and people walk out of the room and they're like, well, there was two hours of my life that I just wasted. <laughs> I'll never get it back. <laughs> Right. Why do you think people don't like to go to meetings? <laughs> the time, they walk, they walk out and nothing's really changed. It's just you, a rehash of the problem and people right. arguing over solutions. Well, not over solutions, but over their turf and they're seeking to blame someone else. <laughs> yeah, I've been in plenty of those meetings and I'm like, next time, just send me an email. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me, tell me what you want me to do, but I'll do it. Right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, what you're describing in, in painful accuracy, Scott, is, man, it's a it's a misconnect or a misfit of culture. And most of us bring whatever our experiences are. And I promise not to geek out on the neuroscience too much. But we bring this movie from the culture of our previous company and we bring that into this one and we we just install it, bolt it and start showing that movie thinking right? That, that it's going to work here because it worked at the last place when there may be two entirely different cultures. So ensuring culture fit is one of the great challenges that we face. I mean, you, 
sure, you, you did a great job talking about attracting top talent, right? And how do we retain them through collaboration? But that challenge is making sure the culture fits all along the way and you continue to reinforce that culture. So what are some other challenges that you've seen, Scott, in creating a positive work culture? Well, first of all, it's only focusing on people's you can focus on results only, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with results only. Yeah. But you can also focus on results and how many people are behind that result versus how many people are, are, are how did you get that result in spite of mm. people? And so to me, the how it's achieved is just as important as what's achieved. And in, a, in an ideal world, everybody wants the result. Everybody wants their 10% growth, their 10% profit growth. They want a 15% margin over sales to, you know, or, uh, you know, sales to profit. They, everybody wants the same percentages and the same things. But you can do that where you have a team of people that are just burned out and they're all looking for new jobs because oh, they yeah. hate who they are. Mm. You have this turnover and you keep putting people in. And you train them up real fast and hope they make it. And you're just in this, I call it a hamster wheel of, you know, uh, with your team. And that's one way to do it. And I've seen people grind that out for years Mm -hmm. where they've had 100% turnover on their team for 20 years. I've I've watched it. They're not very happy people that are running those companies. I can tell you because their worlds is always in chaos. The other way you can do it is to be the leader that makes it about your people, Hmm. makes it about what they need. And I always look at four things. I look at their personal needs, you know, their psychological needs, you know, certainty, significance. You know, we've gone through all that Uh, contribution. They want to know how they're making a difference in the organization. So Hmm. that's a need people have. And they want to know when they're doing well. So you have to give them a benchmark to what well looks like, you know, and so they know. So they have a certainty around and not make the goal so outrageous that they can't get there. Make the goal so they progress. And if you just move things forward every day, every week, every month and every year, you're going to be way ahead. Tortoise in the hair, you know, again, Uh I I don't mean you move slow. I just mean you consistently and methodical make methodically make progress. Mm, mm. Right. Yeah. They're mile so, markers. And so we yeah. know what's the next mile marker. And so when we get there, we take the time to celebrate it. Right. Because, you yeah. know, look at what we did. And then that yeah. celebration moves it from short term to long term memory. So I remember what I did then. Let me do it again to get to the next mile marker and add to. Well, I, I heard a, I heard a saying the other day. Joey, that was pretty impactful. And I, and it really made sense. I heard somebody, a very smart, wise human being say that winning is not normal. You know, most people aren't winning and, or they don't perceive they're winning. Mm. And I think it's important to remind people when they are winning. And sometimes a win can just be, you know, just tick the, you know, you just tick it one, one notch forward. And you have companies, you have business owners and leaders that, you know, they always say, we want to win the Super Bowl. We want to be the best. We want to be all that. And that's, that's, that's one way there's, I'm not, you know, right or wrong in this, but another way could be, let's, let's be the best version of ourselves we can be. 
Yes. You know, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's let's have a team. Of, I mean, if if we come, in, you know, if, if if we win the National League championship and don't win this World Series, and we have this team of guys that we play with that are just wonderful and we love each other and we're having a lot of fun and yeah, we didn't win the World Series, but well, guess what? We're still up there. We're still doing really well in our world, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, everybody um, that gets in business, I think if they just look back on the, you know, 10 years prior or 15 years prior and where they are today yeah. and we're able to soak that in, most of the time, you know, people that have been in business for a long time can look back and see how much progression they've made. And that helps them feel uh, fundamentally feel like they're worthy of their success, which helps everything. It helps them be more honest. It helps them be more vulnerable. It helps them listen better and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So that's kind of the picture, if you will. And that's what uh, a long-term leader does is to give that definition of what success looks like around here, what doing well looks like around here, what winning looks like around here and cast out those mile markers that are coming up. Yeah. Scott Agnew is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Um, In the show notes, you'll find a link to your favorite book buyer, uh, bookseller rather, Uh, but be a book buyer, right? (laughs) And and, uh, go over to Amazon. The Long-Term Leader by Scott Agnew is there. You'll also find a link to his website as well. Scott, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest, what's one thing? one thing that they can do starting today to create a positive work culture. What's your one thing, Scott Agnew? I think the one thing is to show up as a real human being. Show up with your bumps, your warts, your successes, and share. Share with people all of it, not just the part you think they want to see. It, and then it, it opens the door for them to be the same way And then you have what I call kind of a halo or ripple effect in your organization. And now you've got people talking about their failures or successes, and it's the whole picture. And there's no facade. There's, you know, show up as the leader who is the master of self-leadership. Manage and self-lead yourself and show up as that kind of person that people are attracted to. They want to hang out with. They're it's easy for them to tell you what's going on in their lives that isn't working because they don't feel judged or they don't feel there's any criticism or you're not going to give them instant advice on how to fix that problem and all that kind of stuff, but you're going to listen, you're going to honestly listen, and you're going to, you're going to be there for them and be with them and focused on them, not yourself and not what you're going to say next. Oh, wow. Yeah. That reminds me of a line from the movie Pulp Fiction. Uh, and I'm not recommending the movie, just this, just this line, <laughs> but the line goes something like this. Are you listening or just waiting to talk? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so many of us do that. You also reminded me of, uh, our, our granddaughter is currently three and a half. One of her favorite, uh, statements to me, Scott is pops. It's not working properly. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I just, I just marveled at the vulnerability of that she's she's coming to me saying it's not working properly and so i've learned to instead of taking over to do it for i've learned to say scott well what is it you're trying to do yeah i'm trying to cut this piece of paper 
Okay. Where, where is it not working properly? The yeah. scissors are broken. <laughs> well, okay. Is it the scissors or is it the scissors operator? Right. But then we, we begin working together to figure out a solution. So man, that, that's a, that's a beautiful way of thinking about the one thing we can do today is to lead ourselves in such a way that other people are attracted to us, that we're vulnerable. They can be vulnerable back with us and together we can, we can achieve that's what success. We can Right. We can control how we show up. Yes. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Scott Agnew is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Uh, the Long-Term Leader is the book. All the info you need to get in touch with Scott, which I'm sure you're going to want to do, is in our show notes. So whether you're walking the dog or on the Peloton or whatever it is you're doing right now, it's okay. It's right there in the show notes for you. Go pick that up after you finish up uh, that amazing walk with your favorite dog, right? <laughs> Scott, thank you so much, man. This has been fun. It's been meaningful. It's been significant. So I thank you for the wisdom that you shared with us in this conversation today. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. And thanks again. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you, Joey. And um, I know you have a great audience that, that listens to what, you know, listens to what you have to say. And if I can be part of that and help in any way, I'm here to do that. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.